Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people who proudly call themselves Rotarians, where this week we are back in the Aloha State. That's right, back again to Hawaii to meet Ron Mabry. Ron used to be a district governor of that beautiful state of Hawaii, among other things. And he's joining me to answer those amazing questions and also share with me some pins that never were. Hmm, intriguing, huh? So join me, won't you? Ron is joining us this week, and we can't wait for you to hear his story. This week on the I'm a Rotarian podcast. And as always, we thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. And for my second time in just a few weeks, I get to wish aloha, not only to my audience, but to my guest, Ron Mabry is joining us from, what island are you on, Ron? I didn't ask you that before we started the show. I live on the island of Kauai, K-A-U-A-I, and we are the smallest of the four populated islands. Um, And we are the furthest to the west. And we're also the oldest island. We're about 5 million years old. Oh, well, the island, not you. That would have been impressive. Well, I, you know, this you, kind you've of, got some gray. Well, yeah, thank you for yeah. joining me and thank you for yeah. doing the podcast. It's a, a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. You as well. All right. Well, I had a few, a little bit to, uh, a little time to chat with Ron before we got started, but he said he was willing to take on the questions and the whole podcast just shooting from the hip. And I will tell you, though, everybody, that I will, even though this is audio, I will be taking a couple photographs because Ron has the coolest Hawaiian rotary shirt on that we have ever seen, I have ever seen. And if you were able to make it, as we all wish we could have, to Hawaii for the international conference we all could have had the opportunity to wear one of these amazing things so uh, I'll take a couple screenshots so Ron uh, what's your earliest recollection of uh, of rotary how long what how long have you known that wheel in your life um, probably from the late 70s early 80s the community that we lived in in Virginia there was one rotary club at the time uh, and my wife and I uh, were and still are friends with many of the members. Uh, and as they had community projects and work uh, around the community and in other parts of the state, uh, we would volunteer and we would help them. And we would work alongside doing whatever project they had. And so that was probably our first introduction to Rotary is, is certainly from the community level, uh, but also... Uh, working alongside friends to help the community. So, so you just figured you'd you'd gone to so many of these work parties, you might as well just join it. Well, it, that's <laughs> so an I'm hanging yeah. out so much, I might as well just join them. Might as well. I mean, that's an interesting story. Uh, at the as I said at the time, there was only one um, Rotary Club in the community, and. As is the case with a lot of Rotary Clubs in smaller communities, there was a hesitancy and sometimes a downright resistance to forming a new Rotary Club. Uh, And this particular Rotary Club was uh, the standard lunchtime meeting. And it was not always convenient for many professionals to give up 
an hour, hour and a half, two hours during the middle of the day. Uh, so there were several attempts throughout the years to form a new Rotary Club that either would meet in the morning or meet in the evening that would be a little more convenient uh, for other professionals. Uh, and so the Rotary Club that both my wife and I finally joined um, was a morning club. Uh, and they opened up and met at seven o'clock in the morning breakfast Ooh. club, which was perfect for a lot of people because mm -hmm. they could attend the meeting and then the rest of the day is theirs. Uh, we, in that club, we had several members who commuted into Northern Virginia in the Washington suburbs. Mm -hmm. uh, and for them, it worked out perfectly. They could either stay for the full hour or maybe 30 or 40 minutes hit the road, and still be in their office uh, in a reasonable time. So it was very convenient. But it, it took a number of years uh, for mm -hmm. that to happen. Um, and I was the charter president of that club. My wife's a charter member. Uh, and it just it worked out well. And the community has thrived by having two rotary clubs. There's no competition. They often work together on projects, which is the way it should be. Yeah, and well, let's go back to that first thing that you said that you did say um, that a lot of when there is one club that there's this sense of fear to actually break in and make more than one club. Why yeah. do you why do you think that? I mean, it is a very glass half full, half empty thing. It's yeah. class, you know, half full is you know maybe we're expanding, maybe we're or half empty is are we killing one club to attempt to make two clubs? I mean, those are Often that's that's the rationale is mm -hmm. that oh if we have a second club it's going to take members away from our club right it's going to uh, dip into the local sponsors that we would normally go after mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know there may be some validity to the second one especially in a small community where there right. are just so many businesses um, and if I, I guess the key there is that you don't plan your community projects at the same time, where you're mm -hmm. looking for a sponsor for, say, a golf tournament, and then your golf tournament is going to be two weeks later. Well, it's going to be difficult getting total sponsorship for that. Right. So maybe a little forward thinking is that we'll hold ours three, four, five, six months later, if the right. weather allows that. Mm -hmm. But the, the attitude that you're going to steal our members, I don't think is valid. Because if you have a member that it would fit better for them, uh, for their professional or their personal life. Right, because you're a breakfast club. We're a breakfast club. The other right. one was a lunch club. And if it works out better, then that's good for that member. Because if they didn't have that option, maybe they become unhappy and they leave totally. So better to keep somebody in the Rotary family. Mm -hmm. and lose them completely. But that's not always an easy sell. And it, no. takes, it takes some work, and I think it takes some foresight on the part of the club and the individual club members to realize that we're not diluting Rotary. We're actually mm -hmm. strengthening Rotary by giving options to people to serve. Yeah. I know uh, the club that I am in now came off of a morning club, and the reason why they left is, again, it was very hard for them to meet in the morning. So they made, we now have a cocktail hour club. Our club, we meet at five yeah. o'clock. Yeah. 
And I know as a person that I'm still working, I'm not retired yet, you know, I would love to be. But to, to meet at seven o'clock in the morning is just not a valid choice for me. And, yeah. and lunchtime is whenever I make it to my kitchen to make something. And sometimes that isn't all day, isn't, right, you know, right. so yeah. So I, all the other clubs on this Island, it just would have been a, a, sometimes it's as easy as when they meet can be the difference between joining and not joining. Yeah. So then did that, did that make you first want to join? I mean, was it the active, what actually made you want to pull the plug and actually join, join? Was it because it met your needs or is it, it was these projects was, you were doing? It was the service uh, and being able to serve the community and do work in the community, but also being able to do work throughout the state mm -hmm. and internationally. Um, I'm a firm believer that you not only give back to your community, but you have a broader definition of what that community is. The world community, I think, is extremely important for us to be a part of and mm -hmm. to give back to and to serve. Many Rotarians only want to provide service to their local community, and that's fine. Yes. Uh, and that's, that's a tremendous need. But I don't think we can do that to the exclusion of our obligation to the larger world community. Um, so I, it, was, it was something that really resonated with me. I really think that our, our time here mm -hmm. is to take care of one another and to help each other. And I, you know, there are many organizations out there that, you know, provide community service and world service. But I think Rotary, because of its history and because of its experience, I think is a unique organization that allows an individual to provide that service wherever they want to. And, so then, and, and what, then what do you say, what do you say to somebody then, um, uh, you know, it's, it, I know I, I can, I can point it myself when I was a young Rotarian, I used to, used to say, we're, well, how come we're going to go feed kids in Africa? Or how come we're going to go do this when I've got people right down the street from me that don't have homes or don't have a, where we literally built a, a, a bathroom in Tanzania. And I thought to myself, well, I, you know, you go into the Appalachians and there's, there's people that are still have no plumbing there and so how do you okay. how do you work that how do you work that balance then between you know we are known for these great international projects but especially during this time of COVID-19 it's like what are we doing for our guy right down the street yeah exactly and I don't think it's an either or okay it, it's yes to all of it uh, if if you or as I as an individual want to dedicate more resources, uh, both financial and sweat equity to the mm -hmm. local community, then I think we have an obligation to go to our club or a, a partner organization and say, I see a need here. Okay. Uh, there are children that only get one meal a day if they go to school. If they're not going to school, how are they getting fed? Absolutely. Uh -huh. So how can we, as members of this community, and how can we as Rotarians help that? How can we be a part of that solution? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's part of the change that Rotary is going through, is that allowing a voice to every member. And that voice 
have an equal uh, volume mm-hmm. to whether I've been a member for two weeks or a month or a year mm-hmm. versus someone who has been a member for 30 or 40 years. Too often in Rotary, and it's changing, but too often new members are said, thank you very much, go sit over at that table and keep your mouth shut and listen. And we shouldn't be surprised that those members don't stick around because they right. didn't come in for that. Uh, and Rotary is, is realizing that and they're making a change in that direction. But we as members of a club have to be able to let individuals know that if what we're doing isn't part of your passion, then let us know what your passion is. And maybe we can take that on. Mm-hmm. Or if we can't take it on as a club, there may be members in our club who want to work with you. And you can do that as members of our club. And you can partner with another group that perhaps that's their focus. And so, I mean, Rotary doesn't always have to be the lead in a project. Right. We can partner. In and I think we ways. forget that. We forget that. I mean, I think we forget that. I mean, if you, if I mean, I know we all got our Rotary magazines and stuff. There's a Rotary club in Great Britain that basically got together with like thirty other clubs, and now they yes. have a hospital ship. Yes, you know they're, you know, so it's like they didn't do that. There wasn't that one club saying, "I think it'd be cool to have a hospital ship." Yeah. What do you think? It takes yeah. people and organizations and manufacturers, and yeah, I think I think sometimes we think we can do it all by ourselves. Yeah, and we can't, and. No. Uh, and if we try, then we may not be as successful or it may not be successful at all. Uh, so let's look to our community, whatever you define that community as, and see how we can partner and help. I can bring my strength. You can bring yours. Mm-hmm. This person over here can bring theirs. And then by working together, we're going to be able to accomplish more regardless of who people see as the lead. That's, that's not important. Yes, we have to let people know that Rotary is out there doing the work, but we don't have to have the full brand acknowledgement. When you go out and work in the community, wear your Rotary shirt, wear your right. Rotary pin, so that people know that you are out there doing good. And do you think, do you think that might be our problem, especially in the United States, that we act to not necessarily locally, but to individually instead of branding. I I have to admit throwing myself under the bus that my little Island here has, you know, four rotary clubs. And I think we've done one or two things together. And that's not uncommon. And, and and I, you know, and, and I, and my Island, it takes me 40 minutes to go to top to bottom. So it's not like we're that far away. Yes. I mean, do you think overall that's like, I know we, we can't be the, the you know exception to the rule i have a very strong feeling we're the norm yeah i think why do so you too. think why do you think we're like that some of it is i'll say historical um clubs felt that they were in competition or another i was just about to ask that what do you think do you think it could be because of all these flags and and banners and all these things that we get at the year so is is getting those brownie points and those stars and banners actually making us act more individually than collaboratively? I, I think that that's a component because okay. if, if, if you're going for the community service award or the banner, 
uh, if your partner mine, 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 mine. <laughs> and, and, and so you know, all of those things are important, and it helps build, um, you know, uh, recognition, and it gives people pride. But if it's done at the exclusion mm. of what you could be doing, then maybe we need to revisit that whole thing. Maybe it's time to have a joint banner. I yes. mean, has that ever been? I mean, I know, you know, like I just said, our four clubs all got together and bought a whole bunch of PPE at the, at the beginning of this COVID catastrophe. And to interrupt myself, I would be, uh, it'd be terribly rude to ask, how are you doing? Is your family, is everybody happy and healthy and doing well during these interesting times? We are. We're, we're healthy, um, have not had any problems. Oh, good. Hawaii is fortunate in that we have the lowest infection rate of Kauai, Oahu, Maui, and the Big Island of Hawaii. Oh, um, fantastic! Uh, and so we're we're doing well here, and mm-hmm. we practice a lot of social distancing. And when we go out, we're all wearing masks, and mm-hmm. so I think that makes a difference. Okay, so then thank you. I mean, that's, that's great to hear, but and. But getting back to what I was going to say is that we got all this PPE, we all worked together, got all this PPE at the beginning of this COVID uh, issue because one of our members actually ran our small local hospital. And so, and we had another, so one guy had a connection to the PPE in one group, another guy was literally running the hospital and another group and the other two groups got together and organized the funds and how it got together. That to me should be a banner for everybody. I mean, there wasn't one person that made that happen. Right. And and I think that's, we we need to move more in that direction. Um, Recognize everybody who has been a part of making whatever project or event a success Mm-hmm. Now, whether you need to give a banner for it depends on, you know, what excites people. Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, which always falls back on that one question that I ask is that we are very much into these pins. Oh, yeah. There is pins for everything. Do you have a pin that you just like love and adore and there is means a lot one. to you? I mean, there isn't I, I've one? Got, I've got my rotary pin. Which, I know. I've got, you know, I've got my whole expensive. dish. That I keep yeah. here, like, mm, what should I wear today's ensemble? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. So, so I, I brought a few pins to kind of share with you that are kind of in the top of my list. Okay. Um, yeah, of course, the the one, you know, that that very proud of is the major donor pin. Wow. Lovely. Uh, both my wife and I are major donors, and we're both um, uh, Bequest Society. Uh, we are both uh, uh, Paul Harris Fellows. Um, but then there's an interesting one that a uh, Rotarian friend in Australia designed, and it's been very successful, and it's called the Rotary Superhero Pin. I saw literally some, some people that were dressed up as said superhero. Uh, This was designed by Evan Burrell in Australia. Evan is um, a very, is is an amazing Rotarian. He's young, he has tremendous energy. And I Um, hope he's going to be on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. So, Oh, you need to get him on because he he would would be a a total 
hoot. And then there's this one that was developed by PDG Tiffany Irving, and I think she's North Carolina in Zone 33. And it is the, do it this way, the Rotary Geek Pen. Oh, see, and the problem with some of these is that you know you can't get them. You can you just sit there and be like envious. Yes. <laughs> and then the one that is somewhat of a collector's item is the Honolulu 2020 Convention 10. Oh, shoot. Well, you know, we had so a little, and I, I know some of my listeners have already heard this, but we actually were ready for not only district theory, here in 5050 but in honolulu we actually were going to have a a studio set up so we were going to be podcasting live from hawaii on location we had the mics we had the lights we were ready to go that would have been perfect so and then, a, and then a very special pin is my district governor pin wow and when were you district governor sir uh 2013 14 uh, i was uh that was District 7570 uh, in Zone 33, uh, and it encompassed the western portion of the state of Virginia and northeast Tennessee. Uh, 80, 83 wow. clubs, about uh, 32, 3,300 members. Uh, That's a lot of people. A lot of people. And for me, I lived in the northern part of the district, so travel time for me driving north to south was about six and a half to seven hours of driving. So wow. it was a wonderful year. But I have a friend in Virginia who's a, uh, a, a wood turner. I was going to say it looks wood. Wooden. Yep. Yeah. And so he made this pen for me and used my district governor pen as, as part of the, the uh, clip. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. So our pins, our banners, uh, I think they do great good. And, and perhaps we've opened up a conversation that they may be at times a bit frustrating. And maybe they're, maybe maybe there's a way we can expand them to something yeah. even, even more interesting. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the subject that makes Rotarians, I think, Rotarians. And that is the four-way test. And uh, as everybody knows it, it's, it's been one of the most interesting questions that I asked during my podcast. So what does the four-way test mean to you? And do you use it in your life? Or do you, how do you use it in your life, I should say? I do. I try to in every way possible. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes it's not a conscious thing where you're thinking about all that. But I think once you incorporate the four-way test, it just becomes part of the way you think and the way you approach people, the interactions you have. I think the four-way test is a personal test. And mm. too often I've seen online especially where it's used as almost a weapon. Uh, of or a judgment. I'll, a judgment. I'll, I catch myself. I as catch judgment, myself. You know, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I, you know, I'm thinking the same thing is that, you know, I'm not sure what you just posted online meets the four-way test. Yes. But again, that's using it, you know, as, as somewhat of a weapon, as somewhat of a judgment. And I think mm -hmm. we need to do more internalization of that, that what is the four-way test to you? How do you live the four-way test? Um, and certainly we can't 
be successful 100% of the time. We're sure. Human. Sure. But I think as long as we make that attempt, that in every interaction, every, mm-hmm. you know, what do we think, say, or do, you yes. know, does it somehow, is it incorporated in that process? And I think the more we can try to do that, the more successful we will be individually. And I think more successful we'll be in our relationships and in our society. Yeah, we, I think sometimes those, we always talk about the four-way test, which always seems to be those four things. But of all the things we think, say, or do, yeah. is almost an I statement. Of all the things that I think and I, I say think. and I do. Because there are times where, boy, I can just sit there at that four-way test. Well, I don't think that was fair all concern. Exactly. I think I'll tweet about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, because I know, can, because you can, but, you right. know, living in the uh, living in glass houses sometimes, you have to be yes, careful. yes. You know, it, it, I've, I've always tried to not be a person to throw rockets and hide my hands, but everybody's got their moments. So, then yeah. service above self, what's that one? How does that one fit in your life? It's, I think, it I think it kind of brought you to Rotary to tell you the truth. Yeah, it, because, it brought me to Rotary, yeah. Um, uh, it gets back to, to, to at least my feeling that we are here to help people. We mm-hmm. are here to be kind. We're here to help in any way we can. Mm-hmm. And so serving others, um, either before yourself or not thinking of yourself, I think is a critical thing for us to try to practice. Uh, certainly there are times where you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of your own but if you are out in the community, if you are working with others, then you are providing a service that may be inconvenient for you. It mm-hmm. may be not comfortable for you. But for that individual, you may be the one that's making the world of difference. And yeah. I, think, I think that's the important thing. I think that, that, I mean, as a human being, you know, we don't know the other person's story. No. And I, <laughs> there is something kind of always important to remember that the person who's sitting right next to you or six feet away from you, we don't know what their day's been. No. We don't know what's going on in their life, what's going on, you know. So, you know, to have a little service and a little patience. Maybe. And, you know, <laughs> exactly. A little patience and a little empathy and mm-hmm. realize that maybe you think what you are providing or what you're doing is not that important. But to that other person, it may be the difference in that day. And that's the important thing. Yeah, absolutely. So how you said you have been in Rotary since you said the 70s. You dated yourself a little bit there, right? Well, I, actually, I, I became a member of a Rotary club uh-huh. in 1992. A 92. Well, I don't know where yeah. I got 70, so I'm sorry. Well, uh- I, I consider myself as a Rotarian much longer than I've been a member of a club. Gotcha. Well, then yeah. how, is it, how is it different then from when you, when you first started being a Rotarian to your current Rotarianship? Or <laughs> how is it different? How is it? World of, world of difference. It's, world of difference? Yep, not as regimented, not as um, strict, not as rigid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there were rules. You had to do this, you had to do that. Um, when I first tried to join Rotary in the 80s, um, I approached uh, members of the club and asked 
I would love to be a member. I've been volunteering for right. years with you guys and was told, no, you can't be a member because we have too many people in your classification. And I've thinking, heard that from a few other long timers. Yeah. It's yeah. like there's too and, many bankers, so we can't have any more bankers. Or, well, that was the interesting thing because that particular club had a slew of bankers, a slew of lawyers. And I kept thinking to myself, how are you making exceptions for those individuals? Because you've got at least eight or nine. Hmm. Uh, but somehow my classification, which was local government at that time, is that, oh, no, we've, we've too many in that classification. So, Do you think because we're non-political, quote-unquote? I don't know. Hmm. You know some, some of it is, is just the rigidity that yeah. you, you have to have this, you have to have that, you have to have that. And it's, it's been a breath of fresh air seeing the changes in Rotary, excuse me, over the years with loosening up uh, restrictions, loosening up how to become a member. Mm -hmm. uh, you no longer have to be personally invited. You can say, I, I love your club. I want to serve. How do I become a member? Right. Uh, and just the whole rigidity of having to attend X number of meetings, a percentage of meetings. Right. And if you didn't, then you had to make up and you had to turn in your makeup. Well, I mean, that turns a lot of people off. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially if we're wanting to attract younger members who may just be totally turned off with that rigidity. And I think mm -hmm. because of the changes we're going through, the flexibility we're showing, I think we're becoming much more attractive to younger members that Rotary is a choice for them. Uh, their professional life is just beginning their family life is beginning. There are a lot of things demanding on their time. And if they want to be a part of Rotary and give back to the community through Rotary, then we need to find a way to make that happen. Exactly. And if yeah. that is being very flexible and being open to different ways of serving and different ways of being a member, then we need to do that. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, over the last X number of years, our membership worldwide has stayed somewhat stagnant. You yeah. Know, one, you know, so many come in, so many go out. We basically stay in the 1.2 million uh, category, and we have to start asking ourselves and taking a very serious look as to why. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one size does not fit all. And I think it's important that each club have that flexibility to practice Rotary in a way that works for their members and a way that works for their community. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, Cause it's it, what I found and I was been talked to uh, some other of my interviewees is that when you go to Rotary international, it's very dynamic. It's got all age groups, all colors, all it looks like religious practices. So you'll see somebody there in a book and then you'll see somebody in a hairdress and you'll see somebody in, you know, all sorts of different things, doing all kinds of different things. Right. And somehow, by the time it trickles down, if I was to talk to somebody next to me and say, well, I mean, I've had people that have seen my rotary pin and go, you're in rotary? You know, I mean, I've got my nose pierced and my funky glasses and I was a record <laughs> producer and it was just like, but you're like in showbiz. You're like, cool. You're a record producer. You're in rotary. That's a bunch of old white haired men. 
Yeah. Right. So how how is that disconnect? And how can what can we do in the future to try and get that trickle down? Not to just get diluted into white men again. Because if you go into Rotary International, it looks like a really cool thing. (laughs) It's going to be a challenge. It is a challenge because you're talking about cultural change. And to change the culture of a club or Mm -hmm. several clubs or a district takes time. So you're thinking even Rotarians could be the problem? Fellow Rotarians? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's an investment of we've done it this way. Okay. We're going to continue to do it that way. There's no need to change. We're comfortable with the way it is. And, you know, change for any reason, even if it's positive change, is threatening to many people. Because they're giving up that comfort. They're giving up what is known to them in exchange for something that might be a little uncomfortable, that might not necessarily fit their life view. But I think it's, it, it ha- we, have to, we have to make the change. We have to be more open. We have to be more accepting. And that's at every level of Rotary, down the club level all the way up to the international level. And the international is making that change, and they're trying to, I think, set the tone Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think one of the the wonderful things any Rotarian can do is go to an international convention mm-hmm. because they are exposed to so many different people, so many different ways of practicing Rotary that for many it is a total eye opener. That yeah. they they all of a sudden are exposed to someone that they would never be exposed to, and they're exposed to beliefs and thoughts and ways of doing things. And I've talked to many Rotarians after their first time at an international convention, and they've had this aha moment. They've had this epiphany Mm -hmm. that this is the power of Rotary. This is what Rotary is and can do. And many of them will take that back to their district and to their club and talk to the other members and say, I saw this person, I talked to this person, I had this experience, and maybe we can think about doing some of this. But it's going to be a process. It, it's, I mean, whether it's here in the U.S. or whether it is in Asia or whether it's in Africa or Europe, people are still somewhat tied in to the way they have done things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't make that change easily and you don't make it quickly. And yeah. so I think we just need to be consistent and we need to be working for the long term. I hope so. I hope so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so too. Well, we're just about ready to finish up. Um, so this, this leads me to one of my favorite questions, which is uh, what's your elevator pitch? If somebody came up to you, I mean, obviously somebody came up to you years ago and said, do you want to, come and hang out and pick up garbage at the side of the road or you want to go help kids or you want to, but if somebody saw your rotary pin or your fabulous rotary Hawaiian shirt and said, huh, I've been thinking about joining something. What would you say to them about wanting to join rotary? How would you, what would your elevator pitch be? My elevator pitch is a little bit different. I kind of put it back on them wanting to know what excites them. What is Mm -hmm. their passion? Is there something 
that they are doing in the community or in their life? Or is there something they've always wanted to do? Uh, and find out first what, what excites them. Uh, and then talk about what Rotary does in, that, in the community we live in. And talk about what Rotary does elsewhere in the world, whether it's in Africa or Asia, wherever it is. Let mm-hmm. them know how Rotary is making a difference in the world. Certainly talk about our, prim- our primary project of polio eradication. Yeah, absolutely. What we've been able to do, but also talk about our partners in that effort. Because we're not doing it all by ourselves. Never no. have. Right. And talk to them about the strength of 1.2 million members throughout the world. Talk about how we can help them with their passion, that we can bring all of these members together and we can work together on what excites them. Um, because somebody, I mean, most people all, always have something that is, is a kind of a hot button for them whether it is literacy or whether it is feeding the poor or feeding those that just can't make it Mm -hmm. or education, whatever it is, find out about them and find out what they want to do and invite them to work with you on a project. You know, don't necessarily push Rotary membership because they're thinking, oh, you just want some numbers. Right. What's the catch? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want me because I'm 32 years old uh, and I'm a female. Uh, but we're excited in them being a part of us for what they can bring to us and what we can hopefully help them do. And have them work with you on a number of projects. If they want to come to a meeting or a Zoom meeting, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but in your community projects, invite them so they get to meet your members and meet other members of the community in a different way, they may never become a member. And in the big picture, that's okay. Because they're still working with us and they are making a difference. They are still a Rotarian because it's in their heart, the way they Mm -hmm. think, the way they believe. And if they want to join, that's great. But if they do join, make sure that they are challenged and that you listen to what they want to do and the things that excite them. And even if it's not a project your club is doing, open up your mind and say, you know, maybe we can do this. Or Mm -hmm. maybe we can partner with the Kiwanis on this because they're doing that and we can work together on doing that. So I don't necessarily sell Rotary. I want to know about that person and what they want to do with their life, what they want to do in the community and then I'll start talking about how Rotary can possibly help them accomplish that. Wow. I'm convinced. I'll come to Hawaii and join your group. Okay. <laughs> I, got a, I got a few passions. <laughs> well, uh, Ron, thank you so much. I know we were friends on Facebook and, and we are political junkies, so I will appreciate any thumbs up for my, for my, non, for my judgmental four-way test that I do on occasion. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, in, until we meet again, uh, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I really do appreciate You're it. You're welcome, and thank you for the invitation. It has been a, it has been a true pleasure. Yay! Thank you so much.
The pleasure is all mine, Ron. The pleasure is all mine. And on a side note, the awesome Hawaiian shirt that Ron was wearing, I couldn't resist. I bought one. I'm so excited. It's in the mail. I'll have to take a picture with it on. I know I will look as fabulous as he did. Well, just like that, we have reached the end of our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We always appreciate it. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend. Have them download and subscribe. That always makes it easier for other Rotarians and friends of Rotarians to find the podcast. And if you know a Rotarian that I should interview, please let me know. It's easy to get in touch with me. It's rotarianpod at gmail.com. All right, then, like I said, that wraps it up for this week. Stay tuned for next week when we find out another amazing story about another wonderful Rotarian. But until then, stay safe, wear a mask, take care of yourself and the world around you, and we'll hear you next time on the podcast. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great week.